slow. This old age stuff is, is definitely not for sissies. I woke up yesterday morning, and I did all kinds of stuff, and then I, I don't know what I did, but I went to tie my shoes. And we have this stool about this big. I put my tennis shoes on, didn't care. I went like this, and I'm telling you, I thought I was going to die. My body, next thing you know, I'm like this all day long. I'm like, that's just time. So I'm going to get me some of those shoes that just, best that I need loafers. <laughs> old age loafers are the ones with the Velcro strips or something on it. <laughs> it's getting bad, man. Uh, I it wasn't ever like this before. Uh, but take your Bibles. Take your Bibles. Go to Romans 13. It was a good meeting this week. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you all for putting up. Uh, I mean, you came out every night, which was a blessing. Uh, at the beginning, everybody thought it was only going to go to Wednesday. I uh, somehow missed, uh, informed everybody that it was going to be, uh, I thought I told everybody it's going to be till Thursday, but hey, uh, I was going to try to get them to stay till Friday too, but uh, I thought that was pushing it just a hair. Uh, anyways, we had a good time, uh, good messages. Uh, if, you, if you got what was going on, it's unity, and the church needs to be unified. That's just what they need. Romans 13. Romans 13, 11. Read a couple, just a couple of verses, and then uh, Romans 13, 11. Paul's talking here. It says, And knowing that the time is now, uh, no, and, knowing now uh, and that, knowing that the time that it is now, it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Man, I'm telling you what, I thought it was going to happen a long time ago, but it didn't. Uh, but it's getting closer and closer and closer. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not rioting and drunkenness, not cumbering and wantonness, not strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Father, again, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for the meeting we just came out of. Uh, Lord, uh, the, the first week is gone. Uh, Lord, we're starting week number two of a 52-week year. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd help us get through this week. Help us get through this day. And Lord, day after day, help us to do the things that we're supposed to do. That at the end of this year, Lord, that we'll all still be here with more uh, people here than was here at the beginning. And Lord, that we'll love you just a little bit more as the days go on. Again, Father, bless the message and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Title this message is, I looked up and I, I looked at it and it said that I had touched this thing uh, last year, and sometimes when I go in and pull messages up and look at them, I've got a whole bunch of them on my PC at, ho at home. And if you touch it, it updates. It says that you the last time you touched it. So if I preached this thing uh, last year, I just deal with it and get over it. And, uh, I needed to do it again because I couldn't get away from it. I kept trying to get it. Uh, he says, but, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's something you have to do. Amen. Whether you believe it or not, you have to put him on. Uh, it is something that your flesh does not want to do. Your flesh will tell you to do all kinds of crazy stuff, uh, but you're, you got to do that thing like Adam was up here talking about. Have you ever done something that you knew was wrong? Yes, come on. Uh, you know you have. We all have. And the older you get, the more you... Don't be pious to me. Uh, Title this message is Dressing for the Occasion. Amen. Have you ever dressed for the occasion? I mean, we dress everywhere. Used to when you come to church, the little girls, little boys have suits and ties and everything on. Now we're lucky to even get them in shorts. Uh, that's, that's the world. A lot of our kids are good. Y'all good, man. I, I don't want to complain about the way our kids dress. But years ago, everybody, the outside, I mean, you did not. Like I said, 1970, 
my, all my blue jeans, my Levi's. I had Levi's. You know, with the V on the back, man. I had, I actually had Levi's. They all had holes in them. I wore them out. I just, I would go out and play in them, rough them up. Wear, I just wear them out. They were my favorite. I like my knees sticking out of my holes. I just enjoyed that. That was atrocious back then. That was, people look at you, oh, you poor thing. Man, my wallet was full of credit cards. I could go on any, like the Coles and stuff that y'all have today or we have today. It was more like bacons and stuff like that back then. J.C. Penney's were there. Seriously, I had all the credit cards in my pocket. I could go get whatever I wanted whenever I wanted it. My mom gave me, I had Converse. I'd wear Converse and, and I hated them. I mean, Converse back then were like Nikes today. Today, people look at Converse like, ugh. Converse, that, that's like, no, it has to be New Balance or it has to be Nike. It has to be something that costs $1,200 a pair. That's stupid, man. Amen. It's insane. But he says, put, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You got to get that thing out of your mind. I'm telling you what, I'll take our Lord Jesus Christ. I like this. Uh, I got a little, little poem here somebody wrote a long time ago. I heard the saying, long and loud, there is no pocket in the shroud. Now, the shroud was this thing they buried Jesus in. Which means when life is at an end, you cannot take it with you, my friend. It's saying. When they buried him, you know what? I like this. I like this over in John chapter 20, verse 6. It says, then Simon, Simon Peter, he comes to the grave at the end. It says, then Simon Peter, following him, went into the sepulchers, seeing the linen clothes lie, and the napkin which was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Jesus didn't take that with him either. When it was done and his body was gone, whatever was on this earth stayed here. Brother, you, you cannot take it with you. There's a, man, I'll tell you what, there's the craziest thing in the wide world. Uh, Jesus left his uh, covering here when he left. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.1, I just want to read a couple verses. I'm going to get in. This won't be very long at all. You all like this. It, it, just won't, it won't be the 10.05. I had somebody the other day say, uh, Brother Rich, I, he came in yesterday and goes, I didn't even realize it was 10.05 the other night. I said, man, that means we can stay till 10.05 every Sunday night and Wednesday nights. <laughs> Shut up, man. Y'all enjoy it. It's great. Don't tell me you don't sit up and watch a movie to 2 o'clock in the morning. Get out of here, man. You know what that thing is? I'll tell you what it is. You get attached. I'm going to talk about it. You get attached to something, and you get attracted to it or distracted from life. You know what all that is is distraction. I better shut up. I'm starting to touch the wrong thing. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 says, For we know that if our earthly house, Paul's talking here. Greatest, greatest Christian ever lived. For we know if, that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You get a new body, brother. He's calling that your house. And he says, for in this we groan, earnestly designed to be clothed upon. We want to get this old stuff off, man. I want something new. I don't know about you, but this thing it hinders me. I'll, I don't like it. Uh, every time I eat, I get fat. Uh, they're talking about pies. I can't eat pies. Uh, I think it's a sin to even mention the word pie in church. I don't care in what context you mention it. It's a sin. Uh, anything with sugar in it ought to be a sin. Because uh, I love it all, man. I love every bit of it. Uh, and, and I never thought salt was a problem. Salt's a problem, too. Why? It holds water. You get fat. No matter what you do, man, you can't do nothing. I just get around donuts back here and put on five pounds smelling them. Uh, it's not right at all, man. I'm telling you, no, and when I was young, I could burn it. I used to be 167 pounds. You might not believe that, but I was as skinny as a rail. And I joined the Navy, and I just got fatter than a pig. 
and I haven't ever been able to get it off. And when I do get it off, I want to put it back on. He says right here, he says, earnestly to be desired to be clothed by. Why do you want this thing? You can never make this thing perfect. You ever looked at a, a young person when they're 25, 30, and then you look at them? Ladies, ladies, guys, we just typically, females, we don't look at guys, which is normal. That's a normal thing. But when you see young ladies and you say, man, I used to watch her, or she was on a, this show when I was a kid, and now you look at them like, <laughs> and you wonder, what in the world happened to them? It's called age. And you can dress it up as best as you can, but you, there, there's only certain so much stuff you can do. Dr. Roman always used to say, there's ne it never hurts to put paint on the barn. I, I'm with him on it. Don't get offended at that stuff. Guys need it too. Some guys are worse than other guys, man. But it doesn't matter what you do, man. It, it, this thing is going to go down the tubes, and, and you can try to keep it the, the best shape you can, all that you want to keep it, and it's going to go down the tubes, and you're going to tie your shoes one day, and your back's going to go out too. I mean, I wouldn't mind if I was out working, chopping wood, cutting trees down, falling out of a tree, doing all kinds of stuff, and then hurt my back. But to tie my shoes and my back hurts, I'm done with this thing, man. I want a new tabernacle. Earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be, being clothed, we shall not be found naked. And you don't want to be naked. So it gives the impression there that some people might be naked. Uh, you better be doing something so you ain't naked. If you don't like what you look like now, you probably won't like what you're going to look like then either. For we, are, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. I'm just like Paul. I groan all the time, man. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go on. Some people say, well, why don't you just go on and leave? I, I, I would if the Lord would take me, but he ain't going to take me yet. It's the point when a man wants to die. The Lord knows exactly the day you're going to take your last breath. And you're not going to hurry that thing at all. I don't care if you take a gun and try to blow your brains out. You'll lay in a hospital bed until he's ready to take you. It just ain't going to happen. For we are in this tabernacle, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for, for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to be clothed upon today? Do you want God's clothes upon you today? Well, the very verse first we said here, we read, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can put that on. We just had a meeting. We come out of that meeting. And, and uh, all you guys, I mean, this, this church, uh, Thursday night, almost everybody was on the altar. And I don't know why the, the remaining few didn't go, but hey, almost everybody was on the altar. And the, the question was posed as they were singing, what was the name of that song? Yeah, Whatever It Takes. Uh, whatever it takes, I, I got up here and said, hey, whatever it takes, Lord, I want to serve you that that will could be done. And this altar is packed out as they were singing that song. And you say, what is it? You, there's no guarantee what God wants you to do. You can't say, God wants me, unless he's told you. God wants me to be an evangelist. That's, I went to school with guys that come through school thinking, I'm going to be this, and I'm going to be that, and I'm going to be this, and I'm going to be that. I was like Joe. Joe was sitting there talking to Brother Dave the other day, and, and he was talking about when he was in school, he didn't have a clue. He goes, what's a calling? I didn't know what a calling was either. I went behind the school building one day and got on my knees, man, and, and it was pouring down rain and quit raining, and I was back here in the mud uh, up to my knees. I just about, I got in, in the mud, man. I said, oh, God, what do you want me to do, man? What do you want? You won't leave me alone, but you, you won't tell me nothing either. And, I mean, have you ever had that, that desire inside that you want to go do something? He goes, wait. Just wait. I'm still talking to you, and you want to know what the calling is? Yes, I ain't going to tell you. <laughs> I'm like, all right, man, I'll just wait. You know, sometimes I wanted to be like him. And the hardest thing you'll ever do is become like him. But it has to be something you want. It isn't just going to happen. 
You're not going to come to church one day and come through the door and get hit in the head with a rubber mallet, and all of a sudden, boom, you're going to be like him. It ain't going to be like that way. you got to have a desire in your heart that you want to be like him. Oh, to be like him. Oh, to be like him. That's what I want. That's what I want. Do you want to be like him today? Or do you want to be like one of the football players or basketball players or, or movie stars? Or, or are you trying to be like a model out there somewhere? And I say that because guys are models too, man. <laughs> I used to know a couple of Christians that were models, man. I never did understand that at all. I mean, how in the world could you go out and do this and that and this and that and, and expect God anywhere in it? it? It makes no sense to me. I'm not here to show my flesh off at all. Well, thank God I'm not here to show that. <laughs> I would, I'd be broke, man. <laughs> Beth is the only one who likes it, I think, man. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That's what I said. I don't know, man. I'm, she makes me feel that way. Anyways, I feel so good when, when she talks to me. It's, uh, but in First Peter, take your Bibles, go to Peter. I want to be clothed on like he is. And he tells me how to do that. Uh, and Peter got a hold of that thing. In the very end of that thing, First uh, Peter chapter 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia. And he starts out, Peter, an apostle. Look at me, man. I'm an apostle. <laughs> what do you think about that? He hadn't got it yet. You know, some people think we got it and you've arrived because you, you, oh, just because you put a title in front of your name, puke, ah, it takes life before you arrive. You arrive when he says you arrive. And sometimes you have to learn something. You would think Peter's already been through all the stuff he's been, that he would be like Paul. And Paul, look how Paul, go back to, uh, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see if I can find a book here where Paul starts talking about how he is. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, a servant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ. You know, Peter hadn't got it yet. Peter starts it off, I'm an apostle. I'm one of the original 12. Well, one wasn't too good. Judas wasn't too hot, but we got rid of him and we brought someone. We voted the next guy in. Never heard of him again, but yeah, we voted him in. That's what we do. I'm an apostle. What are you? No, nothing. Go to chapter 2. Peter, 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter, not chapter 2. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle. Peter's now getting a hold of that thing. He's now starting to understand. There ain't no lifting up. There ain't no ladder of success here. Uh, at best, we're servants. And miserable servants of that. Unprofitable servants. You know, if you just do what you're supposed to do, you're unprofitable. You're going to have to do something that's a little bit better than, than what everybody else is doing uh, to become profitable. I didn't really understand that at all. But the Navy, Dr. Peacock told me one time, he said, Mike, you learned everything. You learned so much stuff in the Navy, you don't even know what you learned. It isn't just about being in the Navy. I thoroughly enjoyed, if you don't know that, enjoyed the Navy to the point where I would leave my wife on a pier and say, see you later, bye, I'm going out to sea. Now, that sounds mean and cruel, but it was like, Beth, the ship, Beth, the ship. <laughs> the Lord wants me to do this, so I got to go do it. So you try to justify it some way, and it works. But I've left her on a pier crying. And you get out to sea, and since I thoroughly enjoyed it, I thought that I just, that was my life, so I fixed everything that needed to be fixed. It's the same thing I do here. I just see something, and I go to fix it. And sometimes you get, that, that can be a hindrance in your life. But it just, you see it, and you say, I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this. And I got, you know, everybody don't get that same thing. God gave me something that is just kind of unique in my life. 
But I would go on a ship and I'd get all these medals and I didn't do nothing but my job that I thought was my job, but nobody else was doing that. And I was doing more than everybody else. You got to do something more. What, what more are you doing? If you're just doing, doing the bare minimum to be a Christian, you're unprofitable. That's, what the, that's Bible. That's not me. That's Bible. I don't want to be unprofitable to Jesus Christ. I want to be profitable to him somehow. I want to be able to, if he puts somebody in my path one day and tells me to witness to him. Somebody uh, was behind Brother Spurgeon. Uh, in, in, uh, I think, oh, I won't say who it was, but he was going, he was in McDonald's. And the, the little snoop man just rolled his window down to hear what was going on. And he said, Brother Spurgeon was handing tracks out to everybody. And every, if there was a window opening in that building, he was throwing a track in it. And he goes, that puts you under conviction. Yeah, I would. You know what Brother Spurgeon does? And I'm sure Miss Sue will tell you that. Everywhere they go, they pass out tracks. Well, they're about him. Let me tell you about me. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> but I mean, really, that's a good track, man. When you sit there and look at it, here's what I used to be and this is what I am now. That same thing can happen to you. I mean, that's, you know, are you sold out? You got to do something a little bit more than what the typical person does. Peter sits here and says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith, not just faith. Peter is now at a place in his life where it's precious to him. You got to get to the place where you, your relationship with Jesus Christ is precious. Is, just, is it precious to you? You know what will make you quit doing the things you're doing? is make him precious to you. Brother Joe was talking about singing that song a little while ago. Uh, you got to make him the, the center of your life. And once you do that, everything else changed. I got a little note here, a new house. I get a new house. In this, uh, in this body, Peter tells us how to be clothed upon. You gotta, he's going to tell us how you can get clothed upon to be more like Christ. Okay, I'm not going to be out of here for a while. Got it. We just started, went through a four-day meeting, actually started Sunday, went through four days uh, after that, so it was a five-day meeting. And Peter is going to tell me what it's going to take for me to be clothed upon in this mortal flesh and make it look the best I possibly can while I'm in it. We spend a lot of time trying to look really, really good. Uh, I lost, I spent four grand to lose uh, 65 pounds. Uh, I spent nothing to gain about half of that back. Now, woo, yeah, amen, woo. Now I'm spending, you know what I got to do? So, so last Sunday starts a new year, and I got past Christmas and all that. I knew it was, it was useless, birthdays and Thanksgiving and Christmas. Sunday, I started my diet eating. Monday, I fasted all day. Tuesday, I ate. Wednesday, I fasted. Thursday, I ate. Friday, I fasted. Till <laughs> at nighttime. <laughs> then I ate because I was going to fast Saturday because I got to go out to lunch today. I lost eight pounds last week. And you say, what is it? Well, I'm going to do it this week too, and I got to lose another eight pounds. I did something drastic, that didn't even, and it wasn't even drastic to put it back on. But you got to do something drastic, and I ain't going to pay him no money to do it again. I've already done it once, and I'm, I'm going to get this thing off. But you know, this body, you got, to, you got to do something. You do have a part in what you look like. Physically, you have a part in what you look like. Well, spiritually, you have a part in what you look like also. So the question is, is do you want to look like what you want to look like now at the end of this year, or do you want to look better at the end of the year, or do you just want to save ground? Peter says, Simon Peter, a servant of an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. Man, I tell you what, it's 43 years. 
it is more precious to me every every day, uh, especially when I mess up like Brother uh, Adam said, and I know that the Lord still loves me and cares enough about me, and, and he says, come on, Mike, let's go. Get up again. Come on, let's go. Like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is written to those that have obtained a precious faith. You've got to have it. The righteousness of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what you received. You either received it or you didn't. Uh, it says, verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. What do you know about Jesus Christ? You know what's going to, you're going to have to know some things. He was talking about reading your Bible. If you don't read your Bible, you're going to be expecting somebody else. To, that's what good Catholics do that. They love the Pope. They love the bishops. They love the nuns. I don't know why, man. Uh, they love all that stuff. Why? Because they figure they're doing it, and I don't have to, and they're going to do it for me. And I just have to trust them. Brother, if you're trusting a Catholic priest, you're trusting the wrong person. I'm going to tell you, if you trust a Baptist preacher, you're trusting the wrong person. You need to trust Jesus Christ, and that's it. There ain't nobody else to trust. No, every, all of us will fail you. If you're going to look at a human being, a human's going to fail you at any given time. I don't care who they are, but you've got to look at somebody else. Philippians 3, 7, but what things we uh, were gained in them. This is Paul talking. What do you know about God? Here's what Paul knows about Christ. He says, but what things were gained unto me, gained to me, those I count laws for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but laws for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know, the more knowledge you get, the more you're going to lose. And you don't lose it because you have to lose it. You lose it because you let go of it. You, you hear people all the time say, don't do this and don't do it. Our religion isn't a religion of do's and don'ts. It's a religion is what should I do and what should I not do? What would the Lord have me do? That's the first thing Paul said. Lord, what would you have me to do? When you get to the place where you figure out what God will have you to do, you know, God has me to do some things that he may never have you do. And he may have you do some things that I'll never do in my, in my entire life. What I did here at Anchor Baptist Church was I, I, I'll turn it over to somebody else and I'll be gone and we may get some pieces of land together and we'll have the basic. That's what David did. You know what David wanted to do? David wanted to build a tabernacle. David put everything he had into building that tabernacle. I mean, he put gold, money, silver, everything he had, iron, nails, brass, the whole thing. He got it all together. Nathan come in and said, David said, hey, Nathan, I want to go build a tabernacle for God. He said, do whatever's in your heart. It's good. That's great. 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 Great thing, David. Nathan walks out. That night, God comes to David. Nathan says, Nathan, you, you know, why would you tell him that? Did you ask me first? Well, no, but that's David, man. I mean, that's your David. That's the, that's the friend of God, man. That's him. That's the man after God's own heart. That's David. He goes, now you got to go back and tell him he can't do it. <laughs> he goes, but tell him, tell him his son's going to do it. Solomon. I never understood why his other son tried to take over the kingdom. If God didn't tell you to take over the kingdom, why do you want to take over the kingdom? Huh? Have you ever thought about that? If God said Solomon, Solomon, then that's the one going to take over the kingdom. Why would you want to take his place if you're not the one God said do it? You know, the calling of God is very specific. And you will know beyond a shadow, there won't be no doubt, nobody should be able to stop you in what you're doing. If somebody can stop you, you're going to have to question the call of God on your life. Because you should be like a postman. <laughs> I mean, you're going to deliver the mail. Whatever that mail is, you're going to deliver. He goes on, he goes, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Paul, being a, a, a servant of Jesus Christ, 
applies just to that servant. And so many times I think preachers try to dump what was applied to them onto you guys. You notice this week we didn't take up one offering. That came right out of the general fund. Those men all got a check, decent check. I think it was a decent check. Uh, they all got paid a decent amount of money for what they did because it's a love offering to help them out. But I didn't come to either one, any one of y'all to get it. You already given. <clears throat> I'm looking, you already put it in the offering plate. It's already in the, in the bank. Why should I continually badger you for money? But you know, if you love God, I will never have a problem getting it out of you. As a matter of fact, I won't even get it out of you. You will give it on automatically. You'll know what to do. Why? Because the call of God is there in your life. You'll know what to do. If I have to tell you what to do, then I'm, it's almost like me forcing you to do something. I don't want to force you. Paul said, I have suffered the loss of all things. What God's asked me to give up, he may never ask you to give up. There's all kinds of things in my life. I've had. There's greater men. Dr. Ruttman, I bet you he's given. Dr. Peacock, man, have you ever thought about some of these men, like Brother Spurgeon, on the road all the time? You don't think that wears on you? I mean, you're out there and the care of the churches is in your life and that thing don't work. You ought to pray for those men. Yeah. Dr. Roman was on the road all the time. Dr. Peacock, about every week, I feel, man, I tell him, I says, brother, I, I, and I don't want to hinder him from what he's doing, but there's churches out there that need him to come in. They don't want me. Am I going to get mad because they don't want me? No, man, I thank God there's somebody. I thank God there's men who've got a Bible college, a Bible institute that you guys can go to. I don't need it. You can learn the Bible if you want to learn it. You can learn as much as you want to learn from good men. You know, I don't think God will ever let me write a book. If he did, I was going to have to write Mike's Navy. That was it. Elizabeth, Elizabeth for Christmas, bought me one of these things that you have to write. I said, I haven't done it yet. Uh, I haven't wrote one thing. I don't know why. Well, I just don't care. So she's going to probably come over and make me write it. She'll, if she wants to dictate it, I, I'll dictate it to her. <clears throat> For I have suffered the loss of all things. you got to let some things go. You know what Paul did? Now, this is Paul. Paul let go his career. Paul let go his home. He let go his family ties. He let go his friends. He let go his wealth. When Paul died, he was in a prison cell, and he said, only Luke is with me. You know, God's not going to do that to all of us. Some of you guys are going out and get a job, make a living, take care of your family, do what. That's what you should do. And if God calls you, guess what? He'll do like he did to Paul. He'll knock you down on the road to Damascus, and he'll do all kinds of stuff to you, and he'll get you, and he'll bring an Ananias in your life, and he'll get you to do exactly. Brother, we went out to dinner the other day, and Brother Dave was talking about that Jewish judge. I mean, he went to jail that day to think he was going to prison for X amount of years. He thought, I'm gone, I'm gone, I'm toast, I've sold everything. I was there when he sold his house, when he got rid of his house, he moved out of his house. I don't think he, whether he's renting it or selling it, I'm not sure, but I remember when he moved out. In his heart, in his mind, he was already set that he was going to go to jail. And he goes in front of the judge, and the guy just drops it all, man. You say, he did, I mean, in a, in a way, and put him in the ministry. Now, you couldn't get a better calling than that. A Jewish judge puts you in the ministry you're in. And then people start looking at you and like, man, I mean, you're just the perfect one for this. You can't work. He goes, he goes I had a job. I went and had to tell the preacher that I don't learn how to job. And he goes, what happened? He goes, I got fired. <laughs> I mean, if God just closes doors left and right, that's all it is. He puts you in the ministry. Guess what? God will put you in. You won't be able to get out of it. He won't leave you alone. He would not leave me alone. I was out there on the ships way before I ever went to Bible college. He wouldn't leave me alone. And if he wants you to do something, he's going to get into your life. You can guarantee that. What do you do before, between now and then? 
you work on this thing. You got to get this thing right. Paul did that. He says, for, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, what? To learn about him. You can't be half-hearted in this thing. I got a note here. Instead of adding Jesus to your world, have you ever thought about live for Jesus and only add in the world as you, you see it's needed? See, we do this thing backwards. We want the world, and then we're going to try to apply Jesus to our world. Chunk that thing, go over here and get Jesus and get as much of him you can, and only let this come back in as you need it. You abuse, don't abuse, use the world, but don't abuse it. And add that thing back in. You can still make a billion bucks. Don't go get a lottery ticket. I talked about this. I was thinking about that the other day. $1.1 billion. What kind of morons out there would be? I mean, I'm telling you, man. That is moronic. You're trying to get something for nothing. Oh, I paid. I don't even know what a lottery ticket costs. Don't tell me. If you tell me, I'm going to think you're getting them. As long as you tithe on it. So if you get $500 million, you tithe. We're in, we're in business. <laughs> Ask, don't ask, don't tell policy. <laughs> I don't want to know. All of a sudden, Mike, you got $50 million in the bank. Where would that come from, I wonder? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? Some good stuff, man. Uh, I was thinking about it the other day. I said, look, all I got to do is get six numbers. I told him in Sunday school class, six numbers. I said, faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, if I picked six numbers, I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't know that they were right until they it came through. So that would be evidence of things not seen. And if I get the ticket, it's by faith. If I only get one, why get 100 if you only need six numbers? If I go by faith and I get one ticket with the right six numbers by faith, and, and it's for evidence of things not seen, I won't know if I win it till the night they say it. So if I get it three or four days, that, that meets all the criteria. And the Lord says, you're a moron. I said, yeah, I know. He says, you got more with me than you do them. You know what this world is? Half, you can't be half committed. You've got to get fully committed to this thing. You can add that back in. Now, see, this is where we miss this thing up. Most preachers get up here, you got to be called to be a missionary. We need the call of the missions. We need the call of the missions. I didn't want this meeting to ever be a, a mission meeting. I didn't want it to be an evangelistic meeting where you all got to I wanted it to be a meeting where you would get a hold of what God wants you to do. And if it's just to be a church member for the rest of your life, who cares? Man, if you do what God says do, who cares, man, if that's what he wants you to do? You know, if, if you can get the God of this universe into your family, you did a great thing. You know what this world needs today is some people with God in their families. That's what they need. Hey, if you work on that, believe me, he'll get the rest out of it. I'm, I'm hitting on I'll, I'll shut up. I'm, 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 I'm meddling. I'm meddling. Distractions. This world's full of distractions. You know what TV is? It's a big old stinking distraction. You know what solitary is? Microsoft games. It's a distraction. It takes your time, man. You know what surfing does on a computer? It takes your stinking time. Yeah, it takes your money, too. Uh, I tell you what, man. I tell you what. You want to really get you is Kroger's, man. Woohoo deals. Man, they'll get you. They'll get you on both sides. They'll give you a good deal. You'll get fat, and then you'll get to lose it. So you, oh, man, it's crazy. Nothing. None of that stuff works. A distraction. The whole world's a distraction. Decisions. You got to make some decisions. You can't be half committed. You got to be decisive about what you're doing. You got to know exactly what you're going to do. You can't say, well, today I'm going to do. What most people do is they start something, get, get distracted, then they get defeated, then they quit, and then they feel terrible, and then they're right back to being trying to do it again. Hey, why don't you just make a decision and say, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, and I'm done? Right. 
No matter how it turns out, I had no idea on that back porch in 1980 that I'd be here today. I had no idea. I thought, honestly, you ask God when you get to heaven, have him play that thing back. I thought I was going to be by myself for the rest of my life, and I'd have messed up my life at 22 to the point I would never straighten it out. And guess what? I was absolutely right. I could not straighten it out. But I got a friend that stick it closer to a brother, and he did. You know what distractions are? There's fish baits, man. Fish baits are the coolest thing in the whole world. Andrew used to make me sick all the time. We'd go fishing. He'd read all these books, and I, like I said, I hate reading. He loves it, though, man. He, and, and Jesse loves it. Him and Jesse, I don't know where they got that at. Uh, but they read, 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 read. Well, Andrew said, use this for lure. And we were at a pond one day, and he'd go around the pond telling everybody what kind of lure to catch the fish in the pond. And I'm like, oh, shut up, man. It's my son. That's what you got to tell him. You, know, you, know, you ain't telling me what to do. So I didn't catch no fish. Everybody else caught fish. I'm sitting there going, what is up with that, man? You know, what, you know what a lure is? It's a distraction. That fish down there is minding his own business. He's just swimming around the bottom. Blah, 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 bloop, 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 bloop. And all of a sudden, somebody hits the water with one of these lures on purpose to get that fish to get distracted for just a second. And that fish forgets what it's doing. Bloop, 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 bloop. Thinks he's getting something easy, like a lottery ticket. And the next thing you know, he's on your table being eaten. And we sit there and brag about that thing, about what we did. Well, what do you think Satan does when he takes one of God's children? You don't think he brags about that thing? You know what this whole world is? It's a lure. That's all it is. It's just a lure. It it lures you into the things it's doing. Crazy stuff. You got to make a decision. I'm going to put Jesus Christ first. And as these things affect me the way they're affecting me, at least I'll have this on it to to counterbalance that thing and survive. You got to have some discipline. You got to have some devotion. You need to to learn, learn some devotion in the thing. Do not count them. He said, he said, but he did not count them but dung. I'm not going to tell you what dung is. I'm, I'm hoping you know what dung is. If you've read your Bible at all, you know what dung is. But Paul counted, that was Paul now. That was Paul. Paul was telling you what he, because the Lord had brought him into a path that Paul knew what was going to happen to him. He was going down a t- path where he was going to have to forsake all this stuff so that we out here could get what he was, for, what he was doing. Paul said, I wish they were all rich, man, because the the furtherance of Christ comes with us. Paul could give us the word of God, and he could make us understand what was being said. Brethren, we're the church that's going to do it if it's going to be done. We're going to do it. We're going to have to hit the streets and work. We're going to have to go out and make a living. And we got to find out where God wants us to do our little thing. Man, I'll tell you what, I used to have a blast going through work. Anywhere I ever worked, man, I used to go tell people about Jesus Christ all the time. Ask Steve, man, did I not witness the people out of, I'd walk down the hallway of, of 10 buildings. And I'd be walking out there doing whatever I wanted to. And somebody'd say, hey, Elliot, come in there and tell us about Jesus Christ. And I'd get to go in there and tell them a story, man. Now, what kind of job are you going to get like that? That's a cool job. They pay me big, but my boss called me in to give me a raise. I said, no, 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 I don't want a raise. <clears throat> I said, you pay me too much anyways, take some back. And he looked at me like, you're a sick puppy, man. I said, yeah, man. I mean, we're talking a good paying job. I'm like, take it away, man. I, I, this is, it was joyful for me to come to work. I enjoyed coming to work. When I lost the joy of work, I, I'm, I'm out of here. And you know what happened? One day the Lord took my job away and said, hey, you're done. And I was out of there, and I've been happy ever since. But I, before he took my job, you know what I did? I worked here. Saturday and Sunday, I thought I was going to die. 
I, my bosses made me work Saturdays, and then I'd have to get up early Saturday morning or Sunday morning and get ready and work all day Sunday. And then Sunday night at, at 9 o'clock at night, I had to go in and work a 12-hour shift, shift, and I had to do the same thing on Wednesday. Between Saturday and Wednesday, I thought I was going to die. I did that for a year or two, I forget, however long it was. I thought I was just going to die. I thought was, I was going to die. This thing would be formed. I was going to die, and somebody would take it over and take it on. And they called me into the office one day, and they fired me. <laughs> and they laid me off, really. They laid me off. They didn't fire me. They just did away with my job and offered me another one because they didn't know that they were going to do that, but they're sorry about it. But it's like the Lord saying, now, now I started this thing by you making a decision. He told me, Mike, you can have another job in this plant anywhere you want. Or you wanted an out, and here's your out, which one you want. I had to make the decision. Now, it didn't take me about three nanoseconds to make that decision, especially when they gave me seven months pay to do it. <laughs> I was like, it wasn't. It was, oh, yeah, man, they gave me seven months. I was like, yes, yeah, I can, I can figure that out in six months. I said, I could probably figure that out in two months. But if you're going to give me seven months and I get all this money and everything, then I figured out how am I going to go home and tell my wife I don't have a job no more. I said, that's going to be weird. All the way home, man, I'm just, and, and the Lord must have tattooed it invisibly across my head, and it just like flashed. Because I go home, and I'm sitting at the counter. I'm like, how in the world am I going to, and Elizabeth comes in, and Beth comes in, and she falls down. I don't know if you fell down or not, but she fell down when she looked at me, and she goes, what happened? Did you lose your job? That's the first time she's ever known me that she could have ever said that, because I worked night and day all the time up to this point. She looks at me and says, did you lose your job? And I said, oh, by the way, yes. And she hits the wall and slides down that thing laughing. <laughs> I'm in turmoil. My whole world is falling apart. Really, I'm joyful inside. And my other daughter's laughing too. Beth is laughing, or Elizabeth's laughing too. And I'm thinking, Lord, what is this, man? I'm a, I'm, someone's laughing at me. Uh, he got fired. He's in turmoil. Laugh, laugh, laugh. I mean, but it's, you know what that is? That's God working that thing out. You don't have to work nothing out. When we try to work it out, we mess the thing up. You know, he gave me seven months, and I come into church, and I'm thinking, church never paid me a dime up to this point. And I was sitting there going, well, what am I going to do? And I, I talked to some of the men of the church. They said, well, he's wondering when you was going to do that. Uh, and they, they started paying me right off the spot, right there on the spot. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, why didn't I do this earlier? Because I wasn't ready for it. You know what? You have to clothe, you got to clothe yourself with some things. What do you know about God? Verse 9, it says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. That's what, what uh, Peter's talking about. Uh, or, or Paul continues on. He says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. Paul's talking. But that which was, is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You got to know him. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. These things are stuff you got to learn. Now back to Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. After Paul talks about a bunch of stuff here and uh, average words, you know, what do you know about his Bible? Well, I keep talking about reading your Bible. How much you know? I mean, seriously, how much you know? You don't have to memorize the entire Bible. You need to read it. You need to get it. God's created a thing in us called a brain. And you may not know it's actually there sometimes, but it really is there. And it's got a thing called a storage facility, and it stores things. And the Holy Spirit knows exactly how to bring that thing back up. If it's there, you know what you read your Bible sometimes just to get it there. Uh, he made his ways known unto Moses. 
Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. How are you going to know how to walk in his ways unless you read his book? How are you going to be clothed upon in this flesh and do the things you need to do in this life unless you know some things out of his book? You can't do it. It's impossible. You've got to have this book. You've got to have it. Uh, Psalm uh, 128 one says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walk in his ways. So there's a way to walk in his ways. We just come out of a meeting. We've got a whole year to practice this thing. There's a way to walk in it. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5, Peter chimes in. And besides this, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these, he said, giving all diligence. That means everything you got, all the effort that you have in your life, Giving, this is your life, however long it is. Add to your faith. The first thing you got to have is faith. You hear me talk about that. I'll, I'll talk about that the day I die. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without faith, it's impossible. You know how you see that you hear some of these missionaries or evangelists, or you hear uh, Brother Chris Rue. I mean, he was over there for years and years and years and years, and they kick him out of the country. And you think, oh, well, they didn't kick him out. He left. But, uh, I mean, war, war, war starts over. You got to leave. So he leaves. He comes home and a bunch of churches get together and make a video and 13 million people watch the video. How do you figure that thing out? You know, sometimes being right where you're at, you can't reach as many as if you go somewhere else. And don't you think God orchestrated that thing? And he did exactly what it was. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Add to your faith. You've got to add some things. If you don't start adding, and that's in your flesh. So while you're in your flesh, you're going to add virtue. Virtue is strength, moral goodness, temperance, and, uh, and chastity of, of power. I could go on through some things, but for sake of time, I'm not going to. Uh, and add to your virtue. So once you get the faith and you get the virtue, then you've got to add some knowledge in there. You're going to need the faith and virtue to get to the knowledge. It's going to be dedication. You're going to have to, to make some decisions, and you're going to have to stick by them. You're going to have to get some character. You know what this stuff does? Is it builds character in your life. That's what is lacking in almost everybody today is character. We need more character. You go to some of these older people. Older people have character naturally because that's what they was raised in. Their mom and dad beat them all over the time. I remember Jessie, man, she was playing her violin one time, and she yelled at me because I didn't beat her enough. And I'm like, well, that's a good idea. I like that thought, man. And I said, yeah. I said, why? And I said, why would you say that? She goes, well, I would be playing the violin better if you had beat me more and made me learn the piano and violin. I said, hey, we could start that like right now if you want. And she wasn't into the right now stuff, but, but uh, I mean, she said, I think she was jesting. It's foolish jesting, which she shouldn't have done. Add to your faith virtue. you got to get some moral strength there. And then your virtue, knowledge. Uh, knowledge, I mean, it's understanding. There's, you need this stuff. You need to clothe this tabernacle. Because one of these days, the Lord will drop this thing off. And you'll get clothed upon with a new one. But until then, there's some things you can add to yourself that will change your life and change those around you. You know what? We always say a testimony. A testimony is built in all this stuff right here that we're reading. Your testimony, Peter, at the very end of this thing in his life, uh, he's sitting there and he's saying, hey, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Until a person gets to the place where they realize they're a servant, they're, they're just, a, just like a child. And they're going to run around to and fro and cause all kinds of trouble. That's, that's what they do. They don't know any better to do that. They think they know. I cannot believe that we're asking kids what sex they are. They don't even have a clue what it is. You got to tell them what it is so they can tell them what it isn't. They don't have a clue. What do you want to eat? No, you're going to eat what's, I like it, man, the old time. You eat what's in front of you or you don't eat. 
and then we beat you until you eat it. I made Elizabeth use a fork one time, but she still hadn't got over that thing. She would hold a fork like this or something, man. I forget. I said, no, you hold it like this. And, you, and she would do that. And she said, Dad, you beat me because I wouldn't. Well, I mean, she's still alive. She, do she, do she still don't? Oh, yeah, you hold your fork right, don't you? Cool, man. I did something right. Yes! <laughs> and to your virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. Temperance is moderation in action. Uh, we, just because you're an American don't mean you can do whatever you want to do. There's somebody watching you, like Brother Spurgeon at that McDonald's the other day. I was like, what's he doing at McDonald's, man? That stuff's like rat food. I was only saying that because I was fasting that day. <laughs> was he supposed to be at McDonald's? I didn't know about it. Oh, man. <laughs> Woohoo! You know what? I'll tell you what, man. My wife is sneakier than that. She gives me a debit card but no cash. So anywhere I go, I think she's sitting on a PC all the time. I think that's just where she lives. Or she has it on her phone or something. An app goes, ping. Mike just uses debit card. And, and she'll call me before I get out of the parking lot. Did you just go to McDonald's? What did you get? A large fry or medium? I'm like, shut up. <laughs> so what I started doing is I started, I started doing the wise thing. I go to Kroger's and buy something on WooHoo. And I said, give me $20 cash. She can't see the cash thing, man. <laughs> uh, there's always a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> Add to your knowledge, temperance, moderation in action, thought or feeling. Sometimes your feelings aren't exactly what they should be. And you got to put your feelings down according to the knowledge. When you start adding this thing in your life, this, this pattern in your life, and you start going down through there, you start realizing that, hey, all I have is the word of God. And I've got to go by this. If this is what I'm going to do, I've got to go by this. I've got to go by this. There's nothing else I can go by. This is all I can go by. I've got to go by this. So then you ought to learn everything you can about this book. Amen. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that need not be ashamed. You need to study this thing. You need, you need to read it. Now, reading it and studying it is two totally different things. When you're reading it, you know what people say, well, I can't only read my Bible because every time I do I started looking at it. And I come across this thing and I stopped it. I said, quit it. Read it. Write down something and read. Write down something and read. If you come across something so you don't forget where it's at, write it down, whatever the verse is, and read and just keep reading. And finish your reading. Come back and look at this stuff later. And you'll get both parts done the way it's supposed to be done. Study to show thyself. When you're studying, you're studying. When you read, you're supposed to read. Give attendance to reading. You got to force yourself to do that, man. I'll tell you what, I hate reading. I tell everybody, I hate reading. Now, my, I got kids that love reading. I hate it. I have to force myself to do it. I have to force myself to do it. Every day, I have to force myself to go down there and sit down and read that book. I'd rather go out and fix a lawnmower, a snowblower, a car, go, go talk to somebody about Jesus. I'd rather, anything, anything, man, eat a hamburger, anything. <laughs> but you got to force yourself to it. Temperance, patience. Boy, that's something we don't want. Patience, patience. The capacity, habit, of fact of being what? Patient. Yeah, you know, God expects you to understand what the word patient means. Be still and know that I'm God. Just wait, wait. We just hate waiting. We hate it, man, we hate it. I like, wait, Psalm 27, 14. Great. You ever read the book of Psalms? You ought to read it. I read it 10 times, uh, 12 times a year. I read my Proverbs 12 times a year. And I read the rest of the Bible three times a year. You say, why would you read Proverbs and Psalms so much? Because I need it. I don't know about you, but I need it. Proverbs, Psalms 27, 14, wait on the Lord. What does that mean? That means like wait, stop, wait. 
if the Lord wants you to do something, he will tell you what to do. Don't worry about it, brethren. If, if God wants you to be a missionary to the Zimbabwe or to the, the deepest parts of the African jungle or down, I had a guy come up one time and says, God called me to be a missionary to the worst part of South America. And he was going to go where the drug people are back in the jungles where the anacondas are and all that other stuff. The guy's never had a job. I'm like, well, you got to be, I ain't giving you no money. I'm, I'm not a church, it's just you're going to walk in the door, I'm a missionary, I'm going to give you some money. It ain't going to happen. You have not proved yourself at all. Now, if you're telling me you're going to go downtown, I like Jack Woods, Dr. Jack Woods. You go down there and see him. I'm a missionary to the Africa. He goes, have you been down in Houston talking to the, the black, black population we have down in Africa? Well, no, then I ain't giving you no money. If you care about them over here and you don't care about these guys over here, then who are you? Yeah. He says, I'm called to be a missionary to Mexico. Oh, really? Have you went down to the, how many Hispanics have you won in Houston today? Or went out and talked to? None. Get out of here. I ain't giving you no money. Why? Because you don't care about the Hispanics here. Why would you care about them over there? Brother, God will put that burden on you in a way that you can't get out of it. I got to shut up, man. It's time's flying. And patience. You got to be, you know how you learn the other stuff? You learn how to be still and just take time. God is the God of eternity. He's got all the time in eternity. As a matter of fact, there is no time in eternity. He just has everything. You don't have to worry about a thing. He's got it all in the corner. He was here before I got here. He'll be here after I'm gone. I'll be with him, but he'll, be, he'll still be doing the same old thing. You know what I already do is find out in my little bit of time, my vapor, my vapor, James says your life is but a vapor. That's it. And you're gone. I need to find in my little vapor what I'm supposed to do and do it. And the patience, godliness. You know, I hear people all the time. They know it all. They know everything. I'm, I'm, I'm going to correct this. I'm going to do this. They're no, no, I mean, their, their life doesn't reflect God at all. Zero, not according to this book. And they're going to tell somebody else how to live. I'm like, are you going to try to correct somebody else? Oh, man, you want a verse? I got a verse. You know how I got saved? God gives you some of the strangest verses in the whole wide world. I like, I like my Bible. It's the craziest book in the wild. Yeah, I mean, it's just an insane book. This is, this is my salvation verse. Or this is what started within seven verses of this. I, I got saved. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what measure, with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. So how you deal with people is how it's going to be dealt with with you. Now, the Holy Spirit was, I know this is Matthew. I got this. I know it's, uh, it's still the Old Testament, the end of the Old Testament. I got that. Boy, he was talking to me all over the place with this thing. And why beholdest thou, this is, this is us, and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, and considerest not the beam that is in thy own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull the mote out of thine eye, and I don't know what a mote looks like if it's in your eyeball, that's not a good thing, I guess. And behold, a beam is in thy own eye, thou hypocrite. You know, I didn't get, one, didn't get mad at this one bit. I remember reading that. I'm like, okay, how do I do that? He says, thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye. That's what I'm talking about right here. And then thou shalt see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto dogs. You know what the problem is? God wants to give us some stuff. That verse right there, give not that which is holy unto dogs. As I read that thing 43 years ago, lost. The Holy Spirit said, Mike, are you a dog? He goes, because I'm not going to give what I want to give you 
if you're a dog. He goes, neither cast ye your pearls before swine. He said, are you a pig? Now, see, some people get upset with that. I didn't get upset with that at all. I said, well, I don't want to be a dog, and I don't want to be a pig. I guess I could be, if that's what you want me to be. Lest they trample them under their feet. He goes, what I want to give you is something that's holy. And he goes, do you want it? Lost. Sitting, I don't know whether I sit in my chair or where I sit when I read that. He says, do you want it? I said, I want it. I want it. I want it. Let me ask you a question today. Do you want it? Ask and you shall receive. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. I started saying, where, ask, where, seek, where, knock, where, what in the world are you talking about? And the book just opens up and out of that thing, next thing you know, somewhere down the road, I got saved and I'm like, 43 years later, here I am and it's still just as sweet today as it was back then. You know what people do? They try to take the beam out of somebody else's eye when they got a moat in their own. Or they take a moat out of somebody's eye when they got a beam in their own. They can't see. And they refuse to see. You, you add this stuff, faith and virtue and knowledge and all that stuff to your life and patience and godliness. You want to be like God. This world needs to see some God-like people. It doesn't need to see businessmen. It needs to see God's businessmen. It doesn't need to see mothers. It sees godly mothers. It needs to see a godly family, man. I tell you what, that's what it needs to see. And godliness, brotherly kindness. Man, I tell you what, brotherly kindness is... 1 John 4, 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. You know how you learn how to love somebody? You learn how Jesus loved you. Peter said, add all this stuff. Verse 8, 1, 1, 8, 2 Peter 1, 8, and I'll be done right here. He said this. He said, for if these things be in you and abound. Not just in you. They have to abound. You have to put them on. You have to clothe yourself with these things. You have to put them on. And you put them on one piece at a time. You master one or you get one moving and then you can add the other one. And then you add the other one in an order. Some people try to do everything. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I started saying, how much of the Bible do you know? Because right there at verse 8, if you do not read your Bible, we got a whole year to do this thing. I'm already a week behind. You can catch up. I made a deal with God that if, if Wednesday I come in here and I, I'm not caught up with my Bible, then I'm going to spend all day Wednesday and Tuesday night to catch up on my Bible. If I let anything get in the way, before I step in the pulpit knowingly, and I, I'll be honest with you, there's a couple times where I got in the pulpit and did, I was supposed to read like six and seven and eight and only read six because I didn't catch the eight and seven and eight. I did the next day when I went to read it. I was like, wait a minute, did I read these? I said, oh, God, forgive me. But I didn't get hit by a lightning bolt. But I mean, in my heart, I was caught up. You know what you got to do? You got to make a decision, and then you got to set yourself up and say, I'm going to do this, and this is how I'm going to do it. And you make a way for you to do it. It's a way you have to do that. God's not going to make you do it. He's not going to make me read my Bible twice a year. Boy, I'm sure glad I did. I'm going to tell you what, right now, if he hadn't have done what he did, I would not be able to do. You say, well, you're doing a lousy job. It would have been a lot worse if I hadn't have. Somebody's sitting there talking about a, a preacher. Uh, he took a church, and, and the church, I forget who it was. It might have been somebody preaching here, but they took the church, and then they listed up all the things that they were supposed to do. And when the preacher asked him, said, what do you think? There wasn't enough time in the day for me to do everything you want me to do. My job isn't to do what you want me to do. My job is to do what God wants me to do. Guess what? Your job isn't to do what I want you to do. Your job is to do what the Lord wants you to do. Paul started this thing out. I'll be done. Paul started this thing out 
He said, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The only way you can do that is put him on first. You got to put everything else out. You got to put him on. Peter said over there, if you do these things, you won't be unfruitful. How's your fruit? You know, there's a problem. There's a, a systematic uh, way to do serve Jesus Christ, and it's laid out in your Bible. There's no way you can get around not doing that. And if you want to be successful in 2023, that's what the purpose of that meeting was. You're going to have to do some things. And it, the Bible says examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. You've got to sometimes stop back and look at yourself. It isn't about the guy next to you or the lady next to you. It's about you. It's not about everybody else or my family. Well, my family was this, and I'm this because that, that's, that's childishness. That's baby talk. Nobody has any effect on my life right now except me and the Lord Jesus Christ. I do what I do because I do it. And you do what you do because you do it. And you can stop that stuff if you compare it to the Bible. The Bible says, read the Bible. you got to do it according to this. Paul says, be clothed upon. Do you want to be clothed upon today? Father, thank you if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know you as their Savior. First thing they need to do, Lord, by faith, is to trust you as their Savior. Lord, for the rest of us, uh, Lord, we got 51 more weeks to go. And Lord, uh, in the next 51 weeks, I just pray that you'd make us a stronger church, a better church, uh, than we were last year. Lord, that we can have more influence on lost souls. And, and Lord, uh, help young people and older people to get a little bit closer to you and, and grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord, that that we can be a help to someone while we're here. Lord, uh, one of these days, we're going to be clothed upon with a new home and a new house. But until then, Lord, you gave us some things that we can work on to make this one a little bit better. Uh, Father, that it would be more pleasing to you. Lord, help us. And again, uh, Lord, those that are in here that doesn't know you as their Savior, I just pray that you uh, convict their hearts.